hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Wildwoods of Vancouver Island. Welcome to the Soda Pod. Isha Dromi here alongside the state of Hoppy. And thanks everybody for joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. Episode 88 of the Soda Pod. How's it going, Hoppy? It's going good, man. We uh they never pull their punches and they come back for their first episode, but just wrapped up the uh that hour-long special from South Park and uh How was it? As outrageous as you'd expect, uh, maybe even a little bit more so, but yes. uh, definitely some some good punches that were thrown pretty early here. I'm excited to see where things go. So, uh, I mean, tease, tease, tease it. It's COVID-related, right? Oh, yeah. Heavy COVID, <laughs> uh, plenty of uh, police references. Oh, man. What um, else? Uh, There's so they... much that happened this year. I just, I mean, you don't, I don't want you to give it all up, but tease some more things here because I'm curious. I'm going to watch it later tonight. Those are the biggest things to tease. Obviously, uh, another thing is just the whole at-home learning for kids. Oh, man. Kind of take an interesting spin on that and then trying to bring kids back into school. So I won't go any further for anyone that wants to watch it on Sunday. Maybe I'll dive in a little bit deeper because if you haven't watched it by then, then that's on you. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter stream today, and if you have any uh, questions or, or comments on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, thanks for tuning into the stream. Uh, we'll, we'll jump ahead and like make your questions priority as we uh, as we jump through this episode. As we only have uh, well two main segments, uh, we're going to dive into the Hoppy Hour. We have uh, some NHL and Wild uh, topics that we've been on the shelf for a few weeks here that we're just going to unpack and, and dive into. Barring we don't have a lot of comments and questions come in on social, uh, we'll run down our uh, pucks poll question beer poll question in their respected segments and then we'll end off the show with uh, Hoppy's reaction to uh, well the Netflix uh, episode um, of uh, Calcio Storico because I know you tuned into the episode Calcio Storico Calcio so sorry I'm not Italian okay I can barely pronounce I'm very far from Italian like, like I said when you around. brought Sam on I was like jaw dropped like <laughs> sounds incredible but I don't know what you're trying to say well it's so funny because he's because he speaks fluent Italian as and he speaks it very very well and eloquently and then he talks English in like that Colwood ass Newfie accent even though you know so <laughs> that East Coast Canada the grimy accent so it's just like it's such a night and day thing and it's it's awesome and I mean he laughs about it or else I wouldn't take a shot at you there Sam uh, and uh, Sam will be uh, either joining us on uh, a bonus episode we have uh, dropping Friday or on Sunday um, his work schedule is kind of up in the air right now so we're just going to kind of nab him whenever we can he already he actually just texted me and said he's excited for it regardless because he got me some IPAs and he's got himself a bottle of wine so uh um, it should be it should be a good one. He's got another injury story if uh, to tell if if Hoppy and the rest of our listeners can stomach it. So um, so there you go. No uh, thank you. No thank you. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, we'll read out our sponsors uh, on the other side. Let's get into uh, the first segment of the show, the Hoppy Hour. First, I'd like to propose a toast to UMD goaltender Alex Stalak. To Stalak. To Stalak. I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops. 
to it. Oh, you're all hopped out? By the way, folks, you may hear him chime in and out of the show here. We got producer Pigeon uh, to my right, uh, hitting switches and controls, and, uh, well, the producer's chair. We might have to get a, boot, uh, a booth here for the office uh, eventually. But anyways, uh, the Hoppy Hour, what's on tap tonight? Yeah, man, I've been saving this one a little over a week now because I, I keep on getting <laughs> those beers that Tim gave to me. So I've been taking those down recently. Um, finally brought out the flash kick that we previewed before, the cross between Drecker and Back Channel. Uh, phenomenal beer, uh, but that should come as no shock, being the two breweries it came from. Just, again, typical hazy double IPA, really fruity, don't really know. Can't really put a, a hint on what the fruit is, but yeah, it's just delicious. Amazing. We got our first commenter saying, uh, looking looking good, pr- producer Pigeon. <laughs> Oh, there he is. There's the pigeon there. <laughs> that works. Um, amazing. Yeah, I remember you, you were telling me about that uh, earlier. I picked up a, because I actually haven't been home. Uh, I've just been <laughs> grinding it here at the Hockey Podcast Network headquarters for the last week or so. So I haven't been able to, to get any more of what uh, Hoppy sent me in the care package. But I did find a the big one IPA from a local restaurant and brewery called a Longwood Brewery uh, in Nanaimo, British Columbia. And Longwood, one of my favorite pubs personally, uh, they have like more of a pub bar style in the basement. And then they have upstairs kind of a fancier restaurant. And then they have a whole brew pub attached to it. It's kind of uh, north central Nanaimo. And it's it's awesome. They have unbelievable food there too. Um, what is it? Blackberry Dylan or blue or blueberry calamari? The best damn calamari you'll ever there you have go, in there your you life. Go, there you go. That's, uh, that's the good stuff. Blueberry sprinkled that, that's calamari. Island shit right there, Hoppy. But it's amazing. Okay. It, it's unbelievable. Um, their fish tacos because all I mean seafood here on the West Coast is to die for. You don't just get like the same fish in these tacos. Sometimes you'll get like a shrimp or prawn. Uh, sometimes you get some halibut. Um, if there's like some good snapper salmon available, like so they change up the fish tacos every time. And their what? beer is unbelievable as well. I'd say they don't get too crazy with it. They kind of keep everything, you know, we've been talking to brewers uh, lately and, you know, some of them like, um, you know, different, different types of like, like hazy IPAs, pale ales and stuff. Cause they can get creative with it. I'd say Longwood keeps for the most part, they keep it pretty basic. Uh, their seasonal summer ones where they get a little fruity. What I like about it is they're not too sweet. Kind of just like a, a hint of raspberry where like the colors not even changed at all. And that, that's what I like about Longwood. I've never had this one before. It's a 6.5 strong ale. It's the big one, baby, so uh, I'm going to crack this one up. So cheers to you here on a, a Wednesday night, Hoppy. Officially the end of the Stanley Cup, which is nuts. It is, but I'm back on the horse at least. I finally got my cup picks right after a couple-year hiatus. But <laughs> I'm go. pretty sure me and everyone else picked Tampa over Dallas, so it's not really that crazy. <laughs> this is Hoppy as hell. Um, if you don't like bitter... Uh, bitter IPAs. This is not the one for you. If you like that little tang, that little bitterness right uh, right after the sip, it's definitely refreshing and, and light for 6.5, but it is, uh, yeah, there's plenty of hops in this one. A little too hoppy for something that I would drink regularly, but hey, I'm the, I don't get too picky when it comes to IPAs. Is it too hoppy or too bitter? Um, hoppy. I'd say too hoppy. Like it, it's, it's definitely bitter. It has that bitter aftertaste, but it's definitely on the hoppier side. Um, for an IPA. 
but man, I like the I like the branding too. Uh, long, I don't know you can see in the streamer Longwood's little little icon there is pretty awesome. And then uh, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job on this one. So, anyways, cheers, Longwood. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to. I know a few people who've worked there. I know of actually some few people who've worked in the brewery. So maybe I can uh, bring them on the soda pod here eventually. I'm still trying to get Phillips on. Uh, it's just been so crazy in Victoria with them trying to. Right. Well, they reopened the uh, the tap room and then kind of with the second wave that's hitting the the province of British Columbia. They've kind of had to take a step back, and so obviously me going in and creating content with them, it's not really appropriate at this time. And furthermore, they have uh, they have better things to uh, to worry about. <sighs> I needed that today. It, it's been a long few days of meetings for us here, uh, producer Pigeon and I at the Hockey Podcast Network. Coffee, I have to say. Oh, I know you. You tell me about it nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, you're there to listen. Um, do you have anything else for the hoppy hour? Should we move uh, into some hockey talk here? As we had some uh, topics we've been kind of waiting to chew into. Uh, only thing is just, uh, again, if you haven't already, check out the beer poll question this week. What type of beer that's a little bit unorthodox would you want to give a try? Again, go out to Bad Weather Brewing. Try any or all of these. But we got the Damp Beer, the ESB with Earl Grey Tea the rye pale ale and the white stout pretty balanced throughout to be completely honest we've obviously raved about that white stout um but the leader here as of now isha kind of more in your wheelhouse the rye pale ale yeah that's what i saw um the earl gray like i mentioned um with andy who we brought on uh, on the last episode so go check that out if you haven't episode uh, 87 of the soda pod um i saltzman brewing did a similar one uh, and it was unbelievable and i just think it, it's such a good uh it's just such a good flavor to to collaborate in a beer. They just play off of each other really well in that style of a beer. But bingo, I'll admit that's not my personal style. But I can see where like if if that's your flavor palette, you would absolutely love that beer. I just I'm a huge tea. I'm a huge thing. I'm a huge tea guy. So I love I I don't know. It just I had the palate for it and it hit uh, it hit the spot for sure. Well, you'd like um, this one then. Yeah, sweet. So, yeah, like Hoppy said, we're not going to dive into a uh, deep dive on this uh, poll question here. If you haven't voted already, di- uh, go back and check it out at the Soda Pod. We will dive into the, the Pucks poll question later in the show uh, after we get into some of these hockey topics because uh, we got a lot of activity on it. We had some comments both from uh, those coming, commenting directly on it through the Soda Pod and people retweeting it. Um, Hoppy's been going back and forth with some people, so we'll get into that one at the, the end of the show. And again, uh, if you're tuning on Facebook, you tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, we really appreciate it. Shorter stream today because we have a massive guest segment. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll tease it all, uh, uh, on the other side, but let's get into the, some hockey talk here on the Soda Pod. Episode 88. Episode 88 of the Soda Pod. Thanks to everybody tuning in on the live stream, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and on uh, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. We're presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are so happy to be part of that family. Um, Hoppy, let's uh, well, let, let's start off with this first story, because uh, I know it, it resonates with you a little bit um, in regard to, uh, well, a wild prospect overseas uh, looking pretty good in the shootout. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things that, 
we know we're a little bit behind on this one because we've had way too much to cover the last couple episodes, but everyone saw the highlights, whether it was in GIF form or full video, but it was all over Twitter. Everyone got excited seeing Hovanov with that very nice shootout goal and repping wild colors over there in the KHL. Um, I, I won't submit that it's better than anything that Terry Newman would have done in his time, but the I, legend you know, I'll, I'll take him in a pinch. No question. I've, I've liked what I've seen of Hovanov at every, at every level I've seen him play, which is only the Q and now the, the KHL. Um, I do think that if, if, cause that's a big, if who, who knows if he comes to North America, if he catches fire over there, um, if he does come to North America and he is part of the wild plans, I, I don't think he jumps into the wild lineup as fast as a lot of, well, while uh, Twitter, anyways, thinks that he's going to, I think that he needs at least a year in the A to, I don't know, to, to get in touch with North American hockey and just the, the rougher style. I know that's kind of the same, that same old analysis. I, I think skating-wise, he's, he's developed on smaller ice in North America. That's, that's not what it's about. But he didn't develop in the Western League, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't develop in Junior A out West either. It's, it, the cue is not as rough as the game. Um, it doesn't emulate as rough of, as a game as the AHL and the NHL, respectively. Yeah, and for a guy like him, too, just depending on how things go with his progression in the KHL, you see a lot of guys that step in and play a third, a half, two-thirds of that AHL season, and they're ready to jump up into the lineup. I think yeah. the bigger issue for him is where he could even slot in at this point with looking at the forwards, at least as the roster is constructed today. There's really not a spot for him, and ideally he needs to be playing probably middle six to start anyways. You're not throwing him on the fourth line and ruining him like you did Donato. So it's just one of those things that he's probably not coming in in the next couple of years just based on roster need unless he completely wows the staff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Just something that just came up right right off the bat here in, in uh, regards to some wild news. Uh, Kevin Kurz of The Athletic San Jose retweeted an article that Russo uh, – that Russo just uh, uh, recently finished up for The Athletic, uh, hinting at a possible Dubnik and Donato package of the San Jose Sharks. Now, this, I think, will benefit both parties. We all know that Billy Guerin, well, if, you're, if you've been listening to his pressers and been following you know, the works of Russo and everyone covering the Wild, uh, Guerin's not sold on Donato. He, it's not his guy. I don't think he really cares if he gets a bag of pucks from he's not playing in his lineup. That could be a, a, that could be exactly what kind of the Sharks need right now. Maybe a little bit of young talent on the cheap to fill out their uh, their top six or just anywhere on their third line. Um, and they need goaltending, and they need a goaltender that's cheaper than Martin Jones. And Dubnik, a former Vesna finalist, is just that. So, um, what do you think the return would be if that if that is in fact the case? If there's no salary kept, I don't care. They can take it for. The Bukestead conditional seventh round pick. I exactly really don't I give a shit. So, uh, and I mean, it, it does kind of make sense because Dubnik is a goalie with a pulse. They need that very much. I mean, honestly, bring producer Pigeon in. I'd love to hear his thoughts. I mean, I don't think Dubnik's the answer here. If you're Doug Wilson and you think Dubnik's going to answer these goaltending issues, I mean, it's. I don't think it's going to go that far. We saw what he did this past season. I think they're going to go out and sign someone a bit more substantial I mean, I could see this trade go down, though, at the end of the day. I think they do like someone like Donato, uh, you know, inject some enthusiasm and youth into the lineup. But Dubnik, uh, I don't know. But if they give up nothing, like if they give up maybe like a, a fifth round pick. 
And here's the thing, too, Dylan. I mean, what's, what's Dubnik's contract at right now? How many years? Four, two, one five, more year. One four, more two, year. Five, one more year. And that's very affordable for you. Okay. And let's be real. The cap isn't your friend right now, probably, when you're looking at the entire roster and what you need to bring in at forward. You know, it's a good one-year patch unless you actually think that you can land one of the premier guys on the market in free agency, which I just imagine they're all going to get overpaid. You know what? I'll, I'll go with that. If Dubnik's only at one year, you know, a stopgap for another season for maybe a young guy to come up, you know what? I'll take him. And he's not going to play as bad as he did this year because, I mean, knock on wood, his, his personal issues, his wife's health has been addressed and he won't have to, you know, you won't have to have that distraction for lack of a better term. You know what, boys? Yeah. Fuck it. Let's call Doug Wilson right now. Let's get it done. Get him on the line. Let's go. <laughs> well, and did you read that article, Isha? Um, uh, no, I've, I sifted through just the beginning of it and then I had some things to do today, but I want to, I want to check it out after here. Well, uh, right after this piece, man, is and it makes sense if they can make the pieces yeah. work, but Russo thinks that Dubnik going out flurry coming in could be something that happens. Oh, they geez. need to shed cap. They need to get rid of flurry to make this work. Cause he's getting seven mil and they want to resign Leonard. So sending a one year contract for half the money back the other way is something that might actually work for them, especially they're not just trying to sign Leonard. It sounds like they're one of the front runners for Petrangelo. So they have to move cap. Yeah. And even getting them to retain a small portion of that isn't impossible, at least from what Russo said. So if you can do that again, that's a pretty good transition guy to play on top of, you know, Kakanen moving forward that, that could be the right answer if, again, the pieces all come together. Yeah, no, the, the, I'd have to agree. Um, we're getting some action here on Twitter. Uh, P Burst says, Nylander for Dumba, does it work? And we also got uh, o, o Branzer said Nylander for Dumba as oh, well. Branzer. Oh, Branzer. Um, look, I, I think Russo has actually addressed this uh, months ago, and Hoppy and I kind of came to the same conclusion if they're going to move Dumba, they're going to try to target a center. And Nylander, though he's played center, he's not a bona fide center, and they need a bona fide center. So I don't think, value-wise, sure. Like if you if you plug this into your NHL game, I'm sure straight up it would the, the trade would go through. But well, I don't think it's what uh, Dumba comes out does. way in our advantage if that's the case. But the the only way I can see it, Isha, is you think if... Nylander is better than Dumba? Yes, I do. Really? Personally, Ooh. I'm I'm big on Nylander. I disagree. wholeheartedly that's fair but it's one of those things that if you can bring in Nylander and you have plans or you have something in the works where you're moving Fiala or Kaprizov for a number one center I'm okay with the move but if you're just bringing him in and that's the end of your moves no chance you just can't do it unless there's something he knows that we don't about how Nylander is going to be able to play center Um, which as of now no yeah, and it's funny these comments came in because the next kind of you know topic was uh, Dumble talk. Dumba talks are kind of cooling off uh, right now. Yet uh, we can see passionate Minnesota fans still uh, still want to keep that fire ignited. Yeah, and it's one of those things that we all kind of knew this was going to happen as soon as Brodeen got signed. Chummed the water. Everyone's circling trying to trade for Dumba. It sounds like Garen wasn't getting great offers well that's what i love he doesn't have to pull the trigger now he has a whole year he doesn't even have to do it this year if he needs to and he's not getting what he wants he can go eight skaters instead of seven forwards three defensemen yeah don't want to do that especially when you know that two of those are going to 
Parisi and Zuccarello, but like end of the day, you're not going to just let Dumba walk. Like maybe you work something out with Seattle where like they give up something for you to expose Dumba. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like, there's a lot of things that can be worked here. And at some point every year we see it, that the D market middle of the year leading up to the deadline becomes so much bigger because someone got hurt or because there's someone that's all of a sudden a contender that has a shit blue line. Something is going to come up where you're going to be able to move someone of his caliber as long as he doesn't get hurt. That's the yeah. only concern for me. Yeah. And, and I mentioned just a year cause that's when Brodeen's contract kicks in. Uh, yeah. P burst. Thanks for tuning in on, on Twitter, buddy. Uh, is Susie a top four D I think he's a, a four at most. Uh, and I'd say like, you know, a four or five, a four or five, you know? Yeah. For me, he's a guy that if you need him to, he can exactly. play to that four, but you don't want him to be your four. Like if you're a look at the playoff team, if you're a contender, he's your five and he's a great five. If he's your yep. four, it's either because of injury or it's because you don't have a choice. And yeah. again, if you're playing with a guy like Brodeen, that's okay. I feel like people probably are a little down on Susie just because of what happened in the playoffs, which let's be real. He got thrown to the wolves and was put on top pairing with Spurgeon. Wasn't he banged up a little bit too? I mean, who's not in everyone banged up, but it's still not the same thing as putting him on second pairing with Brodeen. So I think he can absolutely do it if you need to. And again, if you're getting the right return for a center or whatever it is in moving Dumba, I'm fine playing a year with Susie at that number four and let him prove us wrong. Maybe he can step up. P. Burst, just hitting us with all the questions. I love it. Thank you so much uh, for the support here. Who's the next captain for the Minnesota Wild? Um, we, when we talked about this a little bit um, with Jesse Pierce and uh, just amongst ourselves here. I, I think it, it, it either goes, to, well, either Felino or Spurgeon. It doesn't matter to me. One with the A, one with the C. They're going to be kind of that leadership, the, 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 the key leadership pieces in the locker room, I think. And that's kind of how I see it playing out. Like, if I had to bet money on it, I think Spurgeon gets the C, but then you get a guy like Moose and another vocal guy that you can put around him because, like, Spurgeon will say what he needs to say, but he's not going to be the overly vocal guy, but he can still be that guy that leads on the ice, leads by example, and he's a guy that you know is going to be there for a long time, whereas, again... If you promise me Felino's here for the next three years, I'm fine with him getting the captain slapped on him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny too, how like nowadays everyone thinks that you have to pick a captain for the next like six or seven years. Whereas like back in the day, like Lemieux and Yager were going back and forth year to year on who wore the C. Like it's not that big of a deal to pass it around. Like ever Remember since, it, you know, it, back, back it, to Dylan, it's yeah. like ever since it went back and forth between Marlowe, Thornton and Pavelski and everyone like, in the media started getting butthurt about it and making it a big deal. You know, that's when it kind of transitioned to everyone thinking that, yep, we're just going to have one captain for the next decade. Look, Andrew fucking Ference was captain of the Oilers for like two years. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, say no more. (laughs) Um, let's, uh, let's move on and talk a little. Oh, thanks. So, (laughs) oh, Branzer. Uh, thank you so much, buddy. Um, let's talk. uh, Where, where do you want to go with this hoppy? I'll, I'll hand the reins over to you. I mean, I'll, I'll just say it one last time so that it's on the record. Uh, Minnesota Wild fans, unless something goes catastrophically wrong, like everyone gets hurt, whatever, you are not getting a lottery pick from that unprotected Pittsburgh selection. It's not like, happening. 
like everyone is so afraid to use that as an asset, whether it's moving up in this draft or attaching it to Dumba in a trade for a number one center because it's unprotected. Like you realize like three years ago, no picks were protected and people were trading their first round picks left, right. And naturally that's naturally a unprotected pick. But now that there's the distinction where some teams are, you know, going the route of saying, Oh, this is lottery protected. Everyone's afraid to trade that asset when, you know, again, anything can happen in this league. We've seen it, but even with some of the blunders that, you know, we can go either way on it. And we'll probably talk about it here in a minute because I need to drink more. <laughs> like whatever Rutherford does, they will be a playoff team unless Crosby and Mall can go down. Like it's just not worth quabbling over that. So absolutely that should be on the table as a trade chip. That's uh, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> You've uh, you made yourself clear. It's on the record, stamped, delivered. Uh, we won't get into like award talk. That that's stuff for for slow day and whatnot. Um, and we'll keep some of the the. I know <laughs> Hoppy. I know he wants to get into some Penguins talk, but we'll. Uh, I, I know there's been some trades in the National Hockey League. But we'll put that on the shelf too. Um, I want to talk about Henrik Lundqvist in the bio because for some reason. And this is hilarious. Both Minnesota Wild fans, from what I can see on Twitter and social, and Canucks fans seem to think it's a good fucking idea to bring in Henrik, Henrik Lundqvist on a one to three year deal. Please, like, make, make sense of this for me, Hoppy. I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> too much to ask. Too much well, to ask. You don't get paid enough for that shit. It's a 50 50 thing, man. Like, first off, you don't want him. He is not the goalie he was. Like, yeah, if you're in a pinch and he's going to come in on a low deal, great, bring him in. But it's not like he's going to be this magical mentor to Kapo Kakinen, who, like, let's be real, there's not going to be any tie between the two guys. Like, there's not going to be any camaraderie for one year for him to try and coach that up. But the bigger thing is, Lundqvist doesn't want to fucking come here. Like, if he is going to stay in the NHL, he's the, he's the king of New York. The that can win. He either wants to be in a big market like New York or he wants to go somewhere that he has a chance to win a cup. That is not here yet. That is so, the Washington Capitals, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just saying. I don't know. I, I still don't think Oh, Troll would have a York. heart attack if that happened. <laughs> 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 almost, as, almost as bad as if Mark andre ended up in Washington. <laughs> that make me sad. Hey, Nick Floor 94 um, see this, okay, Nick, I know you're tuning in right now. You have to choose, man. You can't put the underscore and the 94 it has to be Nick floor underscore or Nick floor 94. You can't, you can't you, you oversaturate I, it. You there. know what I think happened? And this happened to me. I think this is when he first started Twitter. That's his Twitter handle. Oh, okay. And it doesn't update. Cause for me, it still comes up as stick and rink. Oh, cause I thought you were trolling me one time no, when you were doing no, that. I wasn't trolling. Um, anyway, yeah, been good though. Um, Nick says, send me Dubnik. That'll clear up a spot for Hank. Uh, I know, I know. Wild fans want that. Um, B, uh, Burst, Parise and Suter finish the year with the Wild. Uh, I think Suter finishes out his entire career slash contract with the Wild. Parise, if there's an opportunity for him to move, uh, Billy Guerin's going to take it. We've seen it already. Well, it sounds like the only way that's happening is with the Islanders. And that is something that he hits on in that article, so we don't have to dive into it too deep here. But, I mean, Russo said, like, it's still definitely on the table. It's just whether or not it's going to happen and what the pieces and nuances are to make it happen. But it is a lot more palatable now that under the new CBA, the penalty for him retiring early is not nearly as harsh. Like, it's still not good. It'd be a big dip slap, dick slap, but you don't Dude. want, like, it, I don't know. 
He, Look at the fucking Vancouver Canucks. They're paying Luongo for another three years. It's bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah, it's you're not wrong, but it's absolutely that's... terrible, dude. <laughs> and I mean, if if Weber retires, Nashville's going to be pee pee whacked big time too, which sucks. Ooh, that I don't know. That I'd kind of be intrigued by that. Lucky for them, even though Shea's like continued to face injury every year, he's still an absolute beast, and I think he's gonna, from a pride point of view, oh, yeah. uh, good old good old BC boy. Is he from Smithers? Anyways. Producer Pigeon, you can get on that for me. Uh, he, uh, he'll probably want to play out the duration of his contract, even if it's, you know, as much as he can. Unless he's literally held, held together uh, by glue. Uh, last thing Sycamus, I want... BC Sycamus. Close enough. Close enough. Um, <laughs> this is like an hour drive away. Anyways, um, last thing I want to get into, it's on, uh, speaking of the, the New York Rangers, more news coming out of... Uh, that franchise, I mean, they're gearing up to, to continue to make cap space to be competitive with this, you know, new and young roster. They ship out uh, Mark Stahl for, uh, for future considerations, and, which I thought was, uh, was, was amazing. Basically, shipping him out in a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was a second, yeah. Which, okay, like, Mark's honestly, a second. It, it, yeah. But it's the perfect, like, match made in heaven. Like, you need to get rid of Stahl. Everyone knows that he isn't what everyone thinks he is because of the name. And, like, that cap was going to hold them back with the things they're trying to do as they build into a real contender. And you know Steve Eiserman is sitting back and just loving that he picks up a second-round pick to throw a guy out there that, let's be real, as bad as Stahl has been, he's better than some of the blue liners that they have in Detroit right now. So it's at least something to help them solidify and, you know, not – nearly go in last place by as much it'll be a lot closer when they get last yeah. this year so you know what i'm laughing a because uh ked at the morning skate everyone go go check out the morning skate network and podcast ked's a, has is a great friend he's hated mark Stahl forever and like he like pulls out his hair when he watches this guy play so he was he got fucking wasted the night he got traded he was pumped he's, he's been banging this drum for years and uh, furthermore it's fu- i was laughing because he said like he's better mark Stahl's better than most of the defenders in uh in detroit yet according to jay fresh hockey he's like <laughs> analytically one of the worst defenders in the right. league and you know I, I, when mark stone was in his 20s i'd say up until around 28 he was a great he was he, he was, was very he was a very he was solid a very solid stay-at-home defender and i had no issue with uh with mark stall but throughout the last few years yeah you can see that the game uh the fast game really really affected uh affected him there but i'm so excited to see what the rangers have in store because uh they're really turning the page and they're an exciting team offensively and they just need to kind of shore up that d a little bit and i think they'll be a good team uh b burst again don't think wild make playoffs next year in tough central division uh, i think they do I-, I i truly think they do i don't i i think they you know jump those of chicago i think it's gonna be tough like this year they're gonna be on the brink but uh but i, I- think that well, go ahead, Hoppy. What are your thoughts? I want to see what Garen does the rest of the offseason, and I want to see what Winnipeg does to fix their blue line because I think mm. that's who you're fighting with for that last spot. Like Colorado. Yeah, no, kid, good. No question. I agree. Nashville, yep. even though they've kind of got that they're, weird they're in. They're still roster, in. they're probably in. You know, Chicago, I don't know, though. No, Chicago's probably out. I, I think Chicago's last in the division, unless, again, this is all pending future moves made, but I think Chicago's in last, and then I think that last spot, that swing spot, is between Winnipeg and Minnesota. And I love if it. If they can't fix that blue line, they're fucked. 
Oh, one hundred percent. Then it's going to be interesting. You know, again, if Garen doesn't solidify the top six a little bit more with some kind of center that can slide into there beyond what they have now, yeah, Wild could miss the playoffs. But I, I believe Garen will do something to fix that. We're forgetting that Caprizo is going to score more than Eric Stahl uh, did last year, folks. So I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, Nick Floor, last question before we end off this segment and uh, wrap up the show. Who's getting Dustin Bufflin, and why is it Minnesota? Look, Nick, if, I don't think Bufflin's ever playing in the National Hockey League again. You can clip that uh, for your show and make me uh, seem like a fool when he signs in San Jose for league minimum, but no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't think he's playing hockey uh, again for Minnesota nor nor any nor any team. He's playing maybe maybe uh, that uh, – oh, what's that, that uh, shinny tournament, that three-on-three tournament in Minnesota? The Beauty League. The Beauty League. Four-on-four, sir. How four and four. You? Sorry, he'll, he no. might put, he might suit up for Bic, but With that's the about beautiful it. Beautiful Bic jerseys. Oh. one of the best jerseys in hockey. I honestly, I'm getting a Besser Bic, hundred oh, percent. All of those jerseys are pretty good, to be honest. But no, he's done. He does not want to play again. He's and made his back, money. Well, if he comes back, it's because he wants a paycheck, and he's not going to be all in. Like he doesn't fully care in a normal year. At this point in his career, when he knows he doesn't want to play anymore, he is not going to give you he what didn't, he He didn't even care in junior. Did you hear the story where like he knew he was supposed to be called to camp and he cut all his phone lines so that nobody yeah. could call him? <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard that. I, I remember watching him as a kid growing up. My, uh, my dad's friend had season tickets to the Prince George Cougars. Um, and I, I remember Dustin Bufflin on that team, man. And he was... Uh, let's just say he was an offensive dynamo. But, yeah, I, I he didn't like to play defense even back then. <laughs> Dude, I mean... He's just a different kind of dude who's like very much like to himself. Like I, yeah. I think I've told you before, but I ran into him at Chipotle in Minnetonka. <laughs> of course, and you did. <laughs> like, like I, I look at him like, okay, there's no chance that I'm like not knowing who this is. Like, you have to be Dustin Buffalo. Dude, it's Chipotle. That should be the minutes. first giveaway. The extra large burrito. Yeah, no shit. Extra fries. He had a bag. I'm pretty sure there was a couple, but <laughs> he like, I look at him like, play hockey, don't you? He looks at me like kind of in a panic he's like yeah i'm like okay dustin bufflin he's like mm-hmm. and he's i was waiting like, for an autograph no no and i just like wanted to say like hey nice to meet you man and he literally grabs his shit and darts out the door like i didn't <laughs> move that fast on the ice like he was gone so quick he's like i've fucked this and recognized before what do i do oh that's so funny um Man, that's hilarious. You know, I've, I've run into a few NHL players like in Calgary and Vancouver and whatnot. One in Vancouver is actually at Chipotle's as well. Uh, who's that Edmonton backup? He developed with the Kings and he made like 60 saves or like 50 or some saves for the Edmonton Oilers one year. Anyway, Jason LaBarbera? No, it wasn't LaBarbera. Oh, I can't remember what it was. It was like in 2013-14. He was like the Oilers starter when they were rotating a few starters there post-Dubnik. Oh. Anyways, I saw him when the Oilers were, I think it was 2014, um, then he was the healthy scratch, and he was at Chipotle's, and it showed. That's all I'll say. The gray suit, it was a couple extra sizes too big. I know he wasn't getting the net anytime soon. Uh, Second, I ran into Mike Green at Stampede in Calgary. That guy can fucking party, let me tell you. You want to talk about partiers. TJ Oshie takes them all. (laughs) I can drink a beer through my shirt right now and pull the TJ Oshie. Dude, I ran into him in Minneapolis, like, just waiting outside of a bar. And, like, he walks past and, like, I kind of tap my buddy. I'm like, dude, I think that's TJ Oshie. He's like, no, it's not. No way. I'm like, 
dude, I'm like 95% sure that is TJ Oshie. And like, we argued for another like 10 seconds. And all of a sudden I'm like tapped on the shoulder, turn around. He's like, I am TJ Oshie. And like puts his hand out. I'm like, oh dude, you're cool. <laughs> and, like, awesome. Talked to him for a little bit. And it was hilarious because one of our buddies, like we were like the two that got cut off to get inside. So then by the time we get in and tell everybody that TJ Oshie's there, we get inside. He's surrounded by like 15 girls. Like he's there with his fiance at the time, but like still just all her friends surrounding him and our buddies just not a bad gig, like like wobbling around. And he's like, I got this guys. I'm like, Oh no. Goes over there and apparently says like, Hey, Oshi want to come over and get a free beer from the boys. And like the guy just like looks him up and down and he's just like, no, man, I think I'm good. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And he comes back and like head down, like just totally defeated and like tells us that story. I'm like, Dude, you should have just lied and said that none of that ever happened. Yeah, that's ooh, that's cringeworthy, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, with me, with me, Mike, I recognized him right away because I was a huge Capitals fan, and I think he was still on the Capitals at the time. And I knew he was like covered. He, uh, he had two sleeves, if I'm not mistaken, or at least one of his arms was sleeved up with with the tattoos. And I just recognized him right then. I was like, Mike, and he just looks at me and goes, "I'm like, okay, buddy." <laughs> That's actually really funny because with Oshi, it was the summer that the trade rumors started coming about for him when he was in St. Louis. And I'm oh, like, okay. oh, it'd be pretty cool if you played for the Penguins. And then, like, just talking for a second, I'm like, oh, as long as you don't end up in Philly or Washington. And <laughs> fuck. Oh, I know you have a great Zucker story, which I know you've told on the podcast before. We'll, we'll save that one for another day yeah. because we only got two more minutes left here in the show. And I, I do want, we have one more quick segment where I want to get Hoppy's uh, reaction to uh, this Netflix documentary uh, episode that I teased on Twitter. Uh, before then, though, folks, don't forget to follow myself at VI Sports Talk and uh, Hoppy here at State of Hoppy. Don't get confused. There's no the there, just State of Hoppy. Uh, the best thing. The best thing you can do, uh, folks, uh, today is rate and review the network and the shows you like. Even if the review is ridiculous, just give us five stories. It helps us uh, stay on top of the sports charts. Uh, tell us where your favorite brewery is locally because we're just curious on that. Reminder, we have poll questions every week. We don't have enough time here to dive into the Pucks poll question, but we'll run it down on Sunday at the Soda Pod. Um, for those listening on the podcast, we're going to jump right into the interview that I had with Justin Fraze, head of Western Scouting at Future considerations we have eastern uh head west or eastern where's the bong toe clip uh <laughs> head of eastern uh scouting dylan galloway on sunday so we're going coast to coast here with future considerations uh thanks again justin uh this was this was great uh for those tuning in on the live stream facebook youtube and twitter last segment of the show where we wrap things up on episode 88 of the soda pod Everybody, we have a great guest for you this week. Uh, a friend of mine, actually, who's joined me in uh, past episodes, both of my time doing radio and uh, back when, well, Dylan and I were doing Stick and Rink, uh, the first version of Stick and Rink, not the one uh, Elijah, Josh, and Raf do now for the Hockey Podcast Network. But we got Justin Fraze, head of Western Scouting for Future Considerations. Um, how's it going, buddy? Thanks for making some time uh, for me tonight here on the Soda Pod. I'm back again. Back again every every yeah. summer every summer and this time every i didn't summer, even really yeah. have to reach out you were like all right man when are we going <laughs> yeah you know what i mean we're looking at like what 12 months since we started evaluating this class for the second time around so it's just like okay 
the draft is next week. I'm happy that the the bubble was a success, but let's uh, let's get this week long drive to the draft out of the way, and then uh, back in the rink or two here if we can manage it. So, yeah, everything else has been pretty good. Can't complain. Awesome, man. Um, so, I mean, this is the soda pod, and I don't know if you have one uh, in hand right now, but uh, my co-host who can't be with us uh, in this segment, he always asks our guests uh, what, what, what they're drinking while they're joining us here on the soda pod. <laughs> well, uh, dad bod, um, <laughs> rocking a water right now, but uh, where, I'm, where I am in my house, I'm looking at my beer fridge, and uh, you, some people might think I'm a disgusting human being, but it is full with PBR and club right now, and... Uh, <laughs> It's it might be a Manitoba thing, but uh, hey, we're uh, we're an acquired breed. <laughs> hey, you know we have a regular caller on our phone line. Um, he calls himself Greg. We call him Drunk Greg, just the way he sounds. You can go back and listen for yourself and be the judge on that one. And he's on the Paps train too. So there you go. We have one of our most loyal listeners, uh, and Justin Fraze, who uh, have their fridge full of the Paps. He's hilarious. He leaves us these wild voicemails uh, and also some wild takes in regards to some, uh, well, the Minnesota wild and, and hockey. So we thank you for that. Um, let's, uh, you know, what? because this is, I mean, I know your story here, Justin, and, you know, past listeners uh, to Stick and Rink uh, know a little bit about you. But for, for those uh, new listeners here on the Soda Pod, um, walk us through the journey of becoming a well head of Western scouting for future considerations. Well, I'm uh, my scouting career is about one cat year old. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny how it all transpired, actually. And uh, it, there is some ties to Minnesota on, on it now. Um, but uh, I never really played much hockey growing up. I was a big fan of the game uh, all the way through. Just uh, kind of fell in love with uh, the, the Cup Run 2000 by the Devils and became a goalie, street hockey, stuff like that growing up. And then uh, didn't really play a high-level sports. Um, I played one year high school hockey, grade 12. Uh, after I uh, got pulled more than I played, I... Uh, Sold my goalie pads to help pay for uh, my rent in my apartment when I went to school. And uh, a few years down the line, I just got uh, introduced to Twitter. Uh, started following more so just NHL stuff, but started uh, the scout the scouting community and kind of the public database was a totally different environment back in 2012, 2013. And there wasn't very many guys out there. And a lot of those guys who were in the public sphere uh, have gone on to work with teams and whatever, but I started talking to a few of them, and uh, one of those guys was Zedan Harasimiak, who is, uh, uh, was the head of Western Scouting for Future Considerations at the time. Now, since then, I've uh, obviously taken Zedan's role as he's moved on to work in the team capacity with uh, the Kootenai Ice and now the Moose Jaw Warriors. But we were talking one day, and uh, we kind of we hit it off fairly well, and I would just kind of pick up on things he was saying, and kind of when I would go to hockey games kind of start looking for some of these players he was talking about but uh it actually i kind of added my ear to the ground because i knew a lot of the guys in brandon and uh at the time victor rask who's now i believe playing for the minnesota wild yes was was playing with the calgary hitman um and i got a lead i or who told me but i heard that he was getting sent back from uh, carolina or their affiliate at the time play with Calgary so first person I told was Zenon and I don't know if it was some sort of care in the hat but he said you know what you should uh, you seem connected enough maybe you should try doing this so I nice. said hey you know what I uh, said I got season tickets anyways I they were willing to give me access to the rink and I hadn't really done it before but uh, 
Z brought me on board and with the help of Dan Stewart and our editor, Aaron Vickers, I've uh, kind of developed over the years. And when Zenon left here in 20, I guess it'd be 2016 now, um, my body of work and uh, effort level obviously uh, rose to the top there. And here I am. And now we're talking, this is going to be my, I believe, fifth year coming up as head. So it's uh, it's been kind of a weird ride. It's been interesting. It's been uh, challenging at times, um, especially with so many more uh, opinions entering the mm-hmm. public sphere and trying to uh, obviously connect yourself and get yourself to that next level and manage staff. But I mean, I, I I'm just a guy like anybody else out there, right? I mean, like I've I work a day job like you do, and uh, I actually manage in my spare time, so it kind of helps with that the people side of things and the confidence in going up and, you know what, talking to some of these people that can really, all you need is one connection to make a difference for you. So, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different elements to it, but at the end of the day, we're doing it. It's a labor of love. It's something that we like to do. We like to be in rinks and like to watch games. And that's kind of what I do on every waking moment that either my uh, kids napping or my, my wife or him are sleeping, or if I'm doing it on my lunch break. So it's, uh, it's uh it's an addiction but it's uh it's one of my favorite things to do in my my free time i guess which you can't really call free time right <laughs> hey i love how you describe it labor of love because from someone who you know started a network while going to school and also working a day job i know i can empathize with the the, the trials of managing and also well the joys of it especially when like the core comes together and you get a you get a few wins from my perspective, network wide in, uh, in content creation from, from your side, obviously, uh, well, creating content as well, but also from getting, uh, scoops and from, uh, well, recognizing talent point of view. Um, that's so cool that you actually, you had season tickets to that Hitman year. I lived in Calgary and had season tickets to that year and, uh, Jake Vertanen's rookie season as well. Yeah, no, it's, it, you look back now and like, I mean, Braden Point winning the Stanley Cup last night. I mean, it, I, I put a tweet out there last night, and it was actually Point is the first player that I've drafted who has won the Stanley Cup. Which, now that I look at it, I like I, I cover vastly all the Western leagues here, yeah. but I do do some crossovers. So I mean, the guys that I know that are kind of on the Rolodex in the back of my brain are all the guys that I've seen through the league. And I mean, I know some better than others. Obviously, you're going to see more guys come through, but Point was an absolute torch and we'll get to him later I'm sure but uh yeah watching him and as a rookie and seeing Vertan and whatever it, it seems like light years ago but it, it really doesn't like it's just all of a sudden you're you're growing up and and you're seeing these guys uh you're like a proud father almost yeah you're seeing, you're, you're, you're seeing them uh you're seeing their get their get their due of their hard work and it's uh it's it's truly amazing kind of seeing what these guys are doing at the same level Totally. I bet it's so rewarding for you as well. And uh, speaking of being kind of like a proud parent, just to, for everyone to put in perspective how long kind of Justin and I have been connecting, it was like it was three years ago when we first connected. And that was when your first child was born, if I'm not mistaken, like that summer. And now you have two, right? Uh, well, number two is coming here in okay. January. So well, we'll, be getting back, we'll be getting back in the rink. And then uh, I think we need to hurry up our subscription to Sports Contractor and stats <laughs> so I can uh, <laughs> I can I can go back to the juggling act here but uh we'll see what COVID does then i'll uh i'll definitely be doing i got the green light to to go back to the rink and get there in some capacity so nice. uh, yeah so we'll have a little girl entering the 
entering the scene and another another element to assess and see uh see how that's going to change things and flip things on, on their head but uh but no, yeah, it's, it's amazing, man. Honestly, congratulations. Um, so what should our listeners uh, know about future consideration hockey as well? We approach the 2020 draft fast and furious here. Well, I mean, I, th- I think obviously with the, uh, with the downtime we had, it's been really kind of tough to get content out there the last six ish months that we haven't had a live game. Uh, but we made a lot of big changes here and we stepped up our ballpark our ball game to kind of keep in the ballpark of where uh, elite prospects went right uh, mm-hmm. when they, when they made that jump into the public sphere and daubers made good progress and they're all great guys and they're all got different elements, but we, uh, we up the ante here too. And we've got a new site out now and uh, totally restructured what we've done. Um, so the new website is NHL com. So we've gone to from a free database where we kind of keep everything to a year-end draft guide. We still have the draft guide, and we'll get to that in a bit, but uh, we do have a paywall set up, but the accesses we allowed, it's it's next level. Um, I mean, we have a, a mock draft simulator now, a mock draft builder, uh, a reports builder, which actually we access for when we're inputting our and logging our game reports when we hit the rink, uh, oh, cool. a, ra- a rankings builder. Uh, we've got a... Uh, podcast started up actually it's gonna be hosted by peter labardius i believe oh wow so he's uh they've already had a couple guests on and one of them was uh todd button with the calgary flames uh given aaron's connection with nhl.com he was able to pull that one so i'm sure i'll be on that one here down the line um along with a lot of prospect interview interviews features and uh my favorite part is the access to every report that we put in so to put in perspective this past year like just speaking for myself um i think there's over about 1200 game reports on there i put in about 280 myself on the guys in the league and guys in crossover uh the game plan right now is we've got basically everybody from this year's draft class inputted but we will be going back right into FC's inception. All the all the work that we've ever done is going to be logged onto the site. And for the fees of a monthly paywall, I believe it's under maybe a cup of coffee or two cups of coffee. It's cheaper than Starbucks, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh, you get all that access. So, I mean, if you want to read about Caden Gooley about 15 times over from different perspectives and every different view we've had, you pay that, you get access to it. So it's... Uh, it's 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 a platform not only for for uh, the user but it's also for the scouts too and help these guys work as a act as a working resume. So for me, I'm not going. Like, there's nothing more uh, more important than the physical uh, and being in the rink and getting eyes on yourself and showing that you have the work ethic. But I mean, there's a lot of times too where you don't have that that conversation with a guy who makes a decision, makes decisions for an NHL team. And if he heads over to FC and he has access, he can say, Hey, I know who Dylan Galloway or Joel Henderson or, or Derek Newmeyer is now like they can go in and go see all your work. So, I mean, it's, it's cool too. And it's eye opening for our guys who think, Hey, well maybe this, 
maybe the night in January, sometimes it's a little bit grueling, but if you know that somebody out there is kind of reading your content, it sure makes it worth it. Um, no, absolutely. Um, and, you, dropped, you dropped another friend of the show there, Dylan Galloway, hoping to catch up with him again soon. Awesome. No, I'm glad to hear you got him on, Dill. Yeah. Dill has been a great guy to go back and forth with. And I mean, I, I don't think there's been a summer where uh, I've grown as an evaluator as much as I have. And we've been kind of back and forth and trying to grow from each other and uh, expand our mindsets and just add to our toolbox, much like a lot of these NHL prospects. So it's, uh, yeah, great hockey mind there. And if uh, you ever get a chance, strike up a conversation with him. He's, he's, humble like me i think for the most part so <laughs> it's always yes. good to uh, it's always good to pick his brain because uh truly underrated presence on social media yeah absolutely so since you started scouting out west who's the player that you were highest on in comparison to like the consensus um that you were clearly right about well uh, <laughs> i went through this and like on our new site because i didn't have access on my reports going back to all the th- to all the reports that I had to kind of go through the rankings, but given our rankings are live from all the way back to th- 2008, I was able to go through and kind of see and kind of even laugh okay. at myself. Cause I mean, <laughs> if, if, if you can brag and kind of shine off the collar that you were right, you have to admit you're wrong in some events. Yeah. So we're going to go through some names too. And uh, I think the biggest one and uh, 2015 was wild. Um, it was one of those years. It was my second year scouting and, uh, I didn't get to see Matt Barzell live because he was hurt mm. when he came through. He had that knee injury. But, I mean, we, here's here's a kid that was the top of his class all the way up. and uh, He made the re- Victoria Royals life and, and myself as a fan to living hell when he came uh, to the island. Well, you know what? I mean, like, there's, there's certain players that come through the league that uh, you wish you could teleport to a different conference so you could see them more <laughs> often. Matt Barzell was one of those guys because – you only with with the travel in the Western League, you're only seeing guys every second year, or else you're doing it on video, and video doesn't do him justice. I was able to lucky enough to see him in the finals the next year when uh, Seattle played Brandon, uh, given the fact that I'm based on Brandon. But uh, he was an absolute uh, he was an absolute stud then, and even before he got injured, he was an absolute stud. And to think that uh, he fell to 16, I remember we had him, I believe late in the top 10. Mm. Um, I had him at six. No, now, okay. I mean, going back and then I, I don't think anybody's going to ever hide the fact that I'm a devil's fan. And, and what do you expect from a guy who drinks club beer? But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I remember we did that mock and I was like, God, I hope I take Brazil. And, uh, it was actually funny here because it's, it's every, it's every year the draft, everybody goes back and they go back to uh, the Boston trio that could have been right. And that tweet never, that, that tweet never ages well. But for me, I had a conversation uh, gentleman who I, I've befriended a little bit from the coach's site. His name's Greg Revac. And we were talking about him and uh, he brought up Pavel Zaka and how much he disliked him watching him as a junior. And it just made me crumble. And I, it's oh, nothing, no. it's, it's nothing against Pavel. Like and he, He's a great player in his own right, and it was just one of those times where you're you're turning a blind eye and looking at the upside a kid can bring and able to multitask and mm-hmm. and just carry a team and drive offense. And he was doing it before an injury. It's something he's probably going to come back from. And and I mean, I think if you do a redraft of that class, there's a lot of great players, but it's uh, 
it's going to be tough to leave Barzell out of that top five. And uh, for sure, man. And 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 for me, I I had him right there, and I was pretty uh, pretty adamant that we needed to have him right there. And uh, at the end of the day, history is history, and uh, he's going to be a core piece of the Islanders for a long long period of time, unless something crazy happens, like. Lou, uh, Lou dropped some insight today, I guess, on on the socials, which never happens because that man is pretty masked. But there's going to be some stuff happening in the league this year with the flat cap and a lot of teams in salary hell. But uh, I think Barzell is going to be staying in, in the island for a long time and going to be building on a strong core that they're getting there. Um, a couple of guys I was right on, but probably for the wrong reason because, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that tend to get overdrafted. Mm. Um in that 2014 class, Nikita Sherback was one right. of them. I remember him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, lot. there's a tremendous amount of skill there. And I mean, just raw talent, raw ability. But I mean, when it came to getting dirty, when it came to playing inside the dot lane, doing anything but uh, opening up his speed and kind of going end to end and showing off that skill, I mean, the option wasn't there. It just was like... Montreal pick, right? Yeah, Montreal pick. I think he went 28th or something like that in the late rounds, back when we only had 30 teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of natural skill, but just one of those guys, I mean, scouting is kind of like, a, my analogy is kind of like a waterfall clothing rack. And I mean, I don't, I'm not a big fashion guy, but being in... Oh, you could have fooled be, me there. Damn. Be, yeah, being, <laughs> yeah, shit, eh? Uh, be, being in uh, quasi-retail, um, it's kind of like a the waterfall rack where the fact is i mean if you look at a rack and there's layers in behind it now if you color block something and it really draws and catches the eye it draws people in it attracts them everybody goes ooh and ah over it. it's the same thing with size it's the same thing with mm. uh physicality now if you pull back the color block there and there's only one or two layers in behind there what are you left with for me i'm when i look for players i look for guys who not only have that drawing feature but it has, there has to be more there. And for Shareback and so many others over the years, and I, and I think there's going to be a few guys in this year's draft out of my, out of my region as well that are going to get overdrafted because we're looking at one or two assets that this kid brings to the table, and it doesn't do him any justice by expecting the world out of them when they don't have the, they don't have the water wings to float, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so yeah, Sherbeck was one. Uh, as far as rankings go, uh, Kale McCarr and Morgan Geeky in 2017, uh, a lot higher on those guys. I actually, uh, I used to be an athlete at one time. I, it could have fooled a lot of people, I know. But uh, Geeky, uh, his whole family played senior hardball in the town against us in the. Oh no way! Yeah, against us in the town just neighboring. So we had a bit of a bit of rival with them, but I mean that. You could have fooled me. That kid had an option to go take a Div 1 route to go play baseball as a shortstop and pitch. Wow. Um, and his brother actually was drafted by the Hitman in the second round, Bantam draft, and he opted out to go play college baseball in the States. And the old man, he's uh, he's built like a brick shit house too. And <laughs> athletes all through and through, and then the youngest one might be the best one yet. He's going to be playing wow. with the Winnipeg Ice here. So, But with Morgan, he didn't have a great draft here. Um it was kind of one of those guys who you, you could you could hang your hat on saying, you know what, I, I knew he was going to be a player in, in, the, in his draft year, but, I mean, come on, there's always these kids who 
they go home every summer, they look themselves in the mirror and say, am I going to do this for a living or am I not? Mm-hmm. And I think Morgan, he had the athleticism, he had the will. And I mean, he still had the raw capabilities to add to his game. And I mean, I don't, there's a lot of things you can teach in hockey. Um, mechanically, he was never the greatest skater. He still isn't a great skater, but I mean, the kid thinks at, at a level that, uh, is unparalleled. And, uh, Carolina got a heck of a pick and we, we saw what he could do. He's already being rostered in the playoffs for that team. And I mean, he may, he may not never be that guy in the top six, given the fact that they have like Sebastian Aho and all this, all this other talent that is kind of fitting into that nucleus. But I mean, if he can kind of work into that middle six and be a nice supporting cat, sporting player, um, you need to be smart to play with the best players in the, in the, in the world. And uh, he's right there. Um, and then with Kale McCarr, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of guys who you're scared to kind of get too high on a kid in junior A who's uh, able to dice up competition the way he did. But at the same time, I mean, we, we can see what he's capable of now. And I think we ended up ranking him at sixth. He obviously went higher in that, but uh, but I mean, what a talent! Um, just what he was, what he's able to do. And I mean, you're we're going to an an era. And I mean, at the time it was something I probably didn't understand as well back in 2017, but we're going to an era where the, the game is changing so rapidly and people are doing anything for an advantage and positionless hockey is going to be a thing. Um, right. So, I mean, you're seeing that with Quinn Hughes in Vancouver and Kale McCarr. I mean, just this kind of, uh, I don't want to say, uh, uh, yeah, it's just it's a totally different look to the attack when you have the defenseman jumping up the way he can, and you saw what's happened in the playoffs when they run that top line and uh, they they literally don't have a net front presence. They're just rotating guys in and out. They're running uh, basically a double edged sword, and then they'll either throw a Palata Kucherov or they'll have uh, big Vic Hedman coming right down the pipe at you if it isn't point. So it's 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 totally different the way the game's being played, and I mean. I think the next guy coming down the pipe after him is going to be like a Bowen Byram who, uh, yeah, my, dude, this my, kid's sick. Oh, I know it's uh phenomenal, phenomenal talent. And, uh, it, it's funny, man. People in the Vancouver Canucks market, I see on Twitter and stuff like are, are throwing out trade scenarios to think that they're going to acquire <laughs> this kid. And I'm just like, man, like new hook and him, they're not going anywhere from the Avs organization. Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> New Hook's another guy too last year. I mean, I, I love that kid. He played in Victoria, right? So right in my backyard yeah. and he came on the show and radio all the time. I still talk to him on Instagram, you know, got, you know, got picked his brain on, uh, on, uh, the NCAA and yeah, dude, he's a heck of a talent. Yeah, no, a heck of a talent. It, uh, I don't know if I can tell it. I don't know if, I, I don't know if it's bad or not, but I was in the, I was in the rink in Brandon here last year before the draft and, uh, Craig Heisinger with, the Winnipeg Jets was in the room and uh, given the, given, given his proximity to brand, I would see him quite a bit. So we chat quite often. And I, I would ask, and he would be just very blunt rate forward, kind of give me the, actually give me the goods. And it was kind of surprising too. So, I mean, I, I remember that time, like I was really high on Peyton Krebs and I think we talked about this last year, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, he loved Krebs. I loved Krebs. So we kind of bonded on that. And then I said, who else, who wouldn't you draft? And he's like, I do not like that new hook kid. He's like, I dealt with, I dealt with new fees for years <laughs> with our affiliate. And I don't think I want to deal with another one. 
So that's like... hilarious. It's because he probably worked with fucking Terry Ryan. No offense, Terry. We all love you. I'm just saying. <laughs> so it was like, okay, well, I guess if that that's how easy to make a no laughter. So I guess I could just rip up my list and know know the Jets aren't going to take him. So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's 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 funny how how guys evaluate talent and i mean we can stick to we can stick to our guns and kind of do it because we have the benefit of a we have the benefit of a public list where it's really tough to admit a certain type of player you don't like just given the fact that there would be absolute bedlam if you had enough of a following for people to to be like why isn't a certain player who mm. is legitimately a top 15 talent not on your list at all um teams do that and we don't see that and there's 31 teams and 32 teams soon going to be like that where they will not pick a certain player and it's uh it's 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 intriguing but it makes a lot more sense in the whole realm of things why some of these kids slide and some of these go kids go undrafted um and then nature kind of corrects itself if there's a kid who's good enough to play someone will find them down the line but i mean on draft day you never know and i mean my list is going to be way different than what uh whatever comes out. I mean, I can, uh, I'm one guy. I've got a staff of six. I've got a, we, FFC's got a staff of 20 scouts, but I mean, how many different scouting services are out there and how many different teams are out there with different scouts. Everybody's got a different opinion. Everybody wants different things out of, out of this. And, uh, no one's ever going to agree. So it's, it's really interesting to see, but, uh, but yeah, those are, those are the guys I can hang my hat on and feel really proud about that. Uh, I, uh, seem to have kind of hit the nail on the head on so far anyways yeah hey you're a talented guy uh quickly because we don't have to drag this one out because uh, i'm sure you don't want to but name one dud <laughs> um oh look at you can't even think of one that's amazing no, look folks, they... we brought the we got head of western scouting here <laughs> yeah no i i'm just trying to pick from my list of how many that i have here oh. <laughs> um actually it's funny funny story i was talking to reese jessup who used to be a uh florida panther scout last night on uh twitter because i mean he's back in the public sphere given the change with the shakeup in uh right yeah yeah in uh, florida but uh he went on the elite prospects podcast here with jd burke uh i think it was earlier this week or last week and he talked about the pick of john ludwig and that was a guy where I didn't see anything in and from the looks of it, there, there's no absolutes until a guy's in the league and carving out a living. But I mean, they did some groundwork on that one and to see him kind of flourish as a leader in Portland under, under a really young uh, Hawk squad this year. Uh, we didn't, we didn't have him listen to the seventh round. He went in the third, could have fooled anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. He's one of those guys, there's a lot of kids out there that have talent. There's a lot of kids who have ability. It's splitting the hairs, believing in them, putting, and uh, just trying to pick the right guy who's going to make that jump. So, I mean, he's going to pro this year. He's got some quirks to fix, but I mean, um, by no means a sure thing, but a guy that we really didn't, uh, didn't acknowledge as a top talent. And he's looking like he's uh, trending in the right direction. Well, man, it happens to the the best of them. I mean, what was your analysis on Braden Point watching him play in Moose Jaw? If you can recall, and where did you have him ranked just generally? Well, I went back into the. I actually went back into the archives nice. when when we when we talked. I uh, I hammered out a, a whole uh, 
whack load of information here that I can try to <laughs> divulge Sweet. on. But, I love uh, it. but uh, at FC, we had him at 36. Um, okay. So it, if, if, if I recall, I went back to some of my old reports and uh, I had him, I think it was the mid 20s. And that was, well, my first year of scouting. I mean, there, there was a lot of guys that I over overranked there too, some of those teammates. I saw a lot more of certain guys. And I mean, I still was really green. Um, mm. So I, but I mean, right away, you could know, you could realize that uh, Braden Point was, was a special player. And I mean, even where I ranked him, and I thought I was being a little bit, uh, a little bit bold where I was like, I mean, now if you go back and you re-rank and redraft that, I mean, I don't think the top two guys are even in the top five. I think you got, there's, there's a mix of point dry side L and, uh, pastor Mac that are right there. That's, uh, are, are contending for the best player of that draft class. So, I mean, point for me, like, I mean, He's one of those small skill guys, but I mean, for small skill guys to survive, you have to have that extra ability. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of concern about athleticism and speed and whatnot, but I never saw that with him. What I saw is a guy who could control pace, and I mean, I'm not talking about like flat out flying all shift every shift. And I mean, it is an effective use of his energy. And I mean, we're talking his understanding of the game is that it was at another level that he knew when he had to turn on the jets, he knew when he had to pivot to get off coverage, he knew when he could button hook and create some space and create some lanes. Um, but at any pace that he played, he was able to control the puck. He was able to see his, his next move. And at that level, I mean, there's, <clears throat> there's a level thinkers and there's B and C level thinkers. And I mean, consistently he was burning both of those. And, and not only that, he was, he was burning his peers and just with his ability and I mean, skating, yeah, that's one thing. I, that, that's a correctable thing down the road. I think guys who overvalue it. Um, especially yeah, I mean, look with, at Bo Horvat, right? Like coming out of London, everyone's like, that's kind of his crux. And now it's his probably biggest asset. Well, and the, and the same with Matthew Kachuk. Like, I mean, yep. I I remember when Brandon went to the Memorial Cup, I actually worked with one of the colleagues and one of the players who played on that team. And he said, Matthew Kachuk was one of the worst skaters he'd ever seen play at that level but he was so damn effective because yeah. just all the other elements he was able to bring. And I mean, I've seen guys like Mark Stone, like um, Ryan Pulak come through Brandon and Stone was an awful skater. Look at him now. One of the best defensive two way threats in the league. And one of I the mean, most dangerous players on the ice. When <clears throat> I watch him like with, with this is what I said. I think I tweeted this throughout the playoffs with or without the puck, arguably the most dangerous player in the league. And that's well, crazy. His attention to detail and the stick work and just every positionally, he's he's in the right spot on the defensive side, even in the in the O zone, which I find incredible. Well, I mean, his game is all about deception, and I mean, yeah, he's he's, he's thinking everything ahead of the thing. Chess master. Basically, everybody else is playing checkers. He's playing chess. So, I mean, like his ability to just feign certain certain moves or certain uh, tendencies with the puck and understanding of the other team's system and how to break it down. It's unparalleled. And I mean, brain points got certain abilities like that too. Um, but for me, a lot of it was offensively driven. And I mean, uh, hang your hat on that. The kid, I, I, I was confident the kid could make an impact. Did I think he was going to be as good as he is right now? Honestly, probably not. I don't think if anybody thought that they wouldn't have waited or passed on him three times. Um, 
but it's uh but yeah it's it's really interesting to see how he took off and especially in his draft plus one season it's like okay tampa's got a player here and oh, then, yeah big time yeah i thought maybe it took a little would take a little bit more time especially for those smaller guys to learn how to play up a level against guys with uh against guys with size but i mean that's what's going back to the elite mind and being able to train your body and train your mind, how to think the you know, opposition. And so you can get into advantageous positions. And I think the skating too helps because if you look at Quinn Hughes, if, if you're and Kale McCarr, when even Mira Heiskanen, uh, you know, a trio of young defenders coming in the league, um, the skating puts them at a level where it can kind of, I, I don't want to say put it like a, a, a band-aid over some of the other skills that they're developing, but I mean, shit, man, you look at how easy it was to evade checkers and find space just solely on skating ability first, and then, you know, the hockey sense and, and the playmaking ability and hands coming kind of after. I mean, that's 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 Quinn Hughes's, uh, that's Quinn Hughes's game, and I think Braden Point has a similar... You know, he's obviously more complete, but he's got a similar bag of tricks in that the way he just... Uh, carves, stops, skates backwards, evades uh, defenders in the ozone and def- and uh, and the defensive zone. It's, it's it's truly incredible that skating can be such a great tool in uh, this era of the of the NHL. But uh, uh, moving right along here, Justin, um, and let's talk a little bit about the Minnesota Wild. Who should Wild fans be most excited about out of uh, these three names: Adam Beckman, Kalen Addison, and Brendan uh, Brendan Manel? I'm uh, I'm gonna. Go right to the uh, the last one, the most recent one, um, Adam Beckman. Um, honestly, the other the other two, I I didn't really love Manel coming up. He's a really rare case of guy who looked like he was kind of a skeleton offensive player at the junior level, and then he went and kind of grew up, turned into turned himself into a legitimate prospect. I mean, he was a guy who was kind of further down our list a lot of the time, but. Uh, but yeah, for me, Beckman was a guy last year, and he's still doing it. Like he he's probably not in your upper echelon prospect class, but he's a play. But he's a play driver. He can toy with space, draw attention from his opponents. Um, he played primarily with uh, prospect from this draft class, Jack Finley, who's getting a lot of rave reviews. But I I don't think there's any secrets that that uh, Adam Beckman's driving the bus on that line. Yeah. Um, he gets he bring he draws a lot of attention to himself based on his speed and his ability to manipulate defenders. Um, I, I think with him, a lot of it's going to be maturity, and how much more is he going to improve at the junior level? I mean, he's he's already lighting he's already lighting the league up, putting lots of numbers up. But I mean, learning how to use different elements of his game, how to play physical, how to how to play in in the house around the net, a little bit more effective timing, spacing. Um, and just kind of learning how to consistently, uh, I guess you would say, manipulate a defender's toes and attack their heels. So, I mean, a lot of times at that level, a lot of really good players get away with just overwhelming opponents. I know mm-hmm. Dylan Holloway did that when he played Junior A, and he had a real heck of a time adjusting to the NCAA. Now, with Beckman, I mean, probably not the same tier prospect that Holloway is, but I mean, there's a lot of tools there that you can really hang your hat on. And I mean, the guy's an elite scorer; he can create play. Um, it's just going to be about uh, getting battle tested. I mean, he's he's probably right there in a, 
a guy who could play in two to three years if he if everything really goes well for him. But he's also a guy too that uh, he might not bring that same level of offense if things don't go well, right? So I mm. mean, out of those three, he's my favorite. I would say guy that I would uh, kind of put my dollar on. Um, playing playing in Iowa doesn't hurt too because they got a stacked team and they're they're a really great run AHL organization. So that's another kind of perk of some of these prospects coming up uh, the pipeline for Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like I said about Ludwig, there's no absolutes. I mean, the these kids are 18, 19 years old. I kind of reflect back at myself, and I think a lot of people lose context that uh, they're just humans like us. And I mean, trying to shut off all the different elements of life and, and setbacks and disappointments and, well, even with COVID, some of the mental struggles people are having because of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, how is it affecting these kids? How is it affecting Adam Beckman? Is he going to be able to bounce back? Is he training? Is he taking time away from the rink? You don't know, right? So it's there's a lot of different elements that people don't really consider, but until he's there, there's no absolutes. And that's the same thing with Kellen Addison, the same thing with Brandon Manel. So, um, and then that just that maturity part too. It's just putting yourself to work, putting in the time, because if you're not going to, if you're not going to be the one to work for it, somebody else is going to jump up and take it from you, and you might not get that shot again. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's a broadcaster um, for one of the junior B clubs here. Actually, the Peninsula Panthers. So shout out Panthers. Uh, Jamie Ben actually played a, a season of junior B with them back in the day, uh, the Vancouver Island boy. He was telling me uh, just kind of another added um, element to, to, I guess, just how bad some of these kids want it this next year and how, you know, how, how you even alluded to earlier, how, how seriously they want to play hockey as a career, especially with kind of the COVID restrictions now going into this next junior season. These high school kids, you know, these teenagers are going to have to really sacrifice a lot socially, which it can't be easy. And we're talking, we were talking here just, just specifically at the junior B level, which, man, that's, you're not necessarily going anywhere from a Jimmy. Not everyone's Jamie Ben, right? Like one in like a few thousand kids from Junior B make it to the show as like uh, as a as, as a regular contributor. And still, some of these kids are going to have to really, you know, be uh, be responsible and not and, and and social distance and not have a huge bubble of friends and not go to you know parties and stuff like that. I can only imagine that you know kids in at the dub level and Junior A. I mean, it's the same added pressure, just with another element of like how, how bad do you actually want this? So that's kind of another, I guess, thing that's going to go into scouting these kids who are playing junior again uh, this next season. But shifting gear to this year's draft here, Justin, again, thank you so much for the time you've given us already. We have a few more questions here on tap, uh, SodaPod episode 88. Um, who are a couple of guys who, uh, who you think fell down the rankings further than they should have this year? Um, well, I mean, on our list personally, uh, FC has got a different list than I put out. Like, I mean, I kind of run mine a little bit different, more of that. Uh, I would just call it tighter. Um, I mean, so for the FC list, I had a lot of influence where our guys vary, but it also varies drastically for mine. Whereas we're lit, we're listing 30 plus players to kind of get drafted on the whole group. I, I list only 20, um, just for the pure pact. Pure fact is my philosophy is I want guys who are going to be play drivers, contributors. Um, if I if I'm running a team, I think that there's guys who, if they're not the top of their age group or the top grouping, that they're probably not going to make the jump. Now we're in a kind of a unique, happy medium spot where we need to uh, consider all the different elements, whether we're picking for a team or 
run with that philosophy or if we want to fill out a list of 250 kids uh there's going to be some variance and i mean there's different influences other than my own so i mean i i there is some views i definitely defer but i mean i think i think the interesting one for us on our list and going back is hindsight 2020 we put our list quite a while ago uh the junior a kids are going to be really interesting this year mm-hmm. and i mean we don't really have the top uh top cream of the crop like a Kale McCarr or Seth Bernard or not Seth Bernard Docker, Jacob Bernard Docker, Tyson Yost, those kind of guys are or a new hook. Um this year we've got Carter Savoy, um Matt or Michael Benning, and uh my personal favorite of the three is Ethan Edwards, who is easily the most underrated guy who I think got a lot of steam down the stretch as one of the better players who just has that raw ability. Um Probably if on my personal list out of the players I would draft out of the dub and out of junior A in Canada, he'd be my ninth ninth, ninth guy off the board. Um, whereas we had Savoy and Benning a little bit higher. Just, I mean, their body of work uh, this year was nothing short of tremendous, but there's a lot of red flags with those two that uh, Edwards just simply doesn't have. Now, not to say none of these kids are don't have their shortcomings, but um, for me, Edwards is a guy who... Uh, who has an ability to add layers on and not uh, really have the red flags and that these other two do. Um, go, switching gears to kind of more of the WHL guys, I think uh, guys that fell down our list, I mean, it's personally lower on a uh, guy that I saw pretty much night in, night out, Ridley Gregg. I know that he, there's some guys who have him in the, uh, in the first round. Personally, like, I mean, he's got NHL bloodlines. There's a lot of good elements to like, but I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe two. There's, uh, I, I, it's a benefit of knowing too much, but it's also a bit of a curse. You see him every night and you see different, different elements and different give a shit level, I call it. Um, I mean, there's some guys where this, this kid will throw the team on his back, and there's other times where he's, he's coasting back and he's not picking up assignments in the defensive zone. He's not caring whether he drives play. He's, one trick pony and off the ice mm-hmm. and the other times where you, you just think you just know there's so much more there, but I mean, where, where do you go and draw the line and say, okay, like, do you, how bad do you want it? I know that there's a kid like Tristan Robbins who might want it more than you, who maybe not be as naturally gifted or naturally skilled. Um, yeah. So with him, I, I think it's all about compete. And I mean, that's also a maturity thing too. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different elements to like there. And uh, another guy too that uh, maybe is down the board further than uh, a lot of others that we have is Damon Hunt. Um, I actually watched him coming up through Bantam and Brandon here. thought he was going to be a force. Big physical kid, booming shot, good offensive acumen. And I mean, when Jet Wu went to Calgary this year, I figured, you know what, this is a shot for me, him to be a number one. And while he was... He never really got better. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're looking at a trajectory upwards. And I mean, Damon Hunt's been the same player for two to three years. And I mean, he's he's been good, not great. I mean, you're seeing different elements that he's able to bring to the table. But I mean, spice it up a little bit. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be something that you can really look at and be like, okay, this kid is trending in the right direction. Um, that's what kind of 
gets teams excited to pick a player. And with Hunt, I could see him falling down the list a lot farther than people think. And I mean, coming into the year, he was one of my favorite favorite kids to watch. And even though he was injured, you got to give him the benefit of saying, hey, you know what, he might add an extra gear next year, but he's just not not the guy I thought he was going to be. Um, and I guess other than that, going kind of higher guys, this is, this is going to be kind of a controversial one, but another guy, I that like I don't, another guy that I don't really like all that much is Caden Gooley. And okay. he's also his first overall Bantam draft pick. I, I watched a ton of them and I've split hairs on them and I've seen a lot of different reviews and everybody tells you, I think he's going to be a puck moving defender. I think they're telling you a bull face lie. Um, I just don't see an elite hockey brain there. For me, I mean, I don't think there's a better separator of the puck. Um, he's physical. He's nasty. He can stand guys up at the line, but he also gets caught running around trying to make that big hit. And, I mean, if you want a guy who is very reactive in the offensive zone, who simply a lot of times gets the, gets the puck back and almost plays a game to keep away and just gives the puck back to his opposition. Um, his transition game even at the speed of the WHL level, he gets caught making a lot of flat-footed decisions. He's not really generating a lot of really prime offense. And then the, I went and did a couple deep dives on his game that I haven't put out there, but uh, I went and watched about 15 of his games over the summer. And in about three-quarters of those games, he didn't use his backhand pass once. He was really? lunged. It, yeah, it was just a predictive way of creating offense. And it was just working, working the perimeter, and never, never really going down inside the dots, trying to press for space. There's, there's different, different elements to his game. There's a good shot, but it's like, are you going to be able to play this at the next level? I, I struggle to see that. I mean, there's a video from the Flyers draft room back in 2013 when they took Samuel Moran, and I keep going back and thinking, if a team had Samuel Moran in their top five on a loaded draft class, uh, like 2013. I mean, where does Caden Gooley sit on some lists? Exactly. Yeah. He, no, good he, point, man. He reminds me a lot of Mirko Mueller, and you're able to see what Mirko's doing now, and it's not a lot of good, and he, and it's just because he doesn't think the game well, and he a lot of guys hung their hat on physicality and a bit ability to skate at that size and kind of threw the other elements in the back seat and said, let's do it. And for me, Gooley's a big red flag. And don't be surprised to see him get overdrafted on draft day. But uh, I uh, I think the expectations are a little bit high for a player like that. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, great insight there. And just, just quickly on this one, because I want to get to our last question and, and get you to really uh, bite into that one. But uh, Hoppy wanted to know if uh, Seth Jarvis... Is uh well if you project him to be a center at the National Hockey League level or wing? Seth is one of my favorite players out nice. there. Nice, Hoppy will dig that for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, and I and I think it's universally where Seth. It, it was a really weird year in the dub. It's uh it started out as Dylan Holloway leaving as the number one guy. Uh, he obviously went NCAA. Then Braden Schneider kind of assumed that role. Connor Zari jumped up, and then Seth Jarvis just took off and I mean 
everybody else has kind of been kind of on the back burner because we left that bookend on the season with with Seth Jarvis absolutely torching the league, and there's good reason to be excited. I it, it's kind of weird where some guys rank him down the list a little bit, but I mean, don't sleep on this kid. He's he's looking a lot like having like a player that has the same elements as a Matt Barzell or Braden Point. Um, just ability to multitask, um, ability to play with high speed, and as he gets more physically competent to play against uh, more physical teams, like he's already lighting up home plate around and in the high danger zones of the ice and not just shooting through the perimeter. He's attacking the dot lanes. He's inside. He's manipulating players every night, every shift, and he's getting so many chances. If he gets a little bit more solid, a little bit more uh, effective at spacing and timing, I mean, there's going to be a guy who's going to be who could slip in this draft, who is going to be a stud. Now, when you get get to talking position, he's listed as a center, but primarily this year he was used as a right wing alongside Jack O'Brien, who is a, uh, a 2021 guy we'll probably talk about this upcoming year. But uh, it's amazing what that young team did, what Johnson got out of that group. And to recognize Jarvis was best suited on the wing. Um, he's got a lot of defensive uh, ability, I think, too, though. I just a lot of things I mentioned with Gooley too, like I mean, picking up checks, angling mm-hmm. guys, just using his stick to be effective night in and night out shift, and it's not just night in and night out, shift in and shift out. Because I mean, it's a details game out there. If, if you don't, if you don't apply the pressure when necessary, someone's going to burn you. So it's going to be a learning part for him. But I mean, I talked to a contact that I have at the rink, and Seth Jarvis has been skating with them, and teams have been checking in left, right, and center, and. He said nothing about good things about Seth Jarvis and said that kid is an absolute stud. He's going to be, he's going to be a player. So it's, uh, it, 17, 18 year old in the dub putting up 98 points and 42 goals. I mean, that, that just, you know, with two years left of eligibility, that's insane. Like these are, these are elite player potential to be elite player numbers. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think Seth Jarvis is going to be a star in the league one day. Um, I think the, uh, I think all the elements are there and all the signs are pointing. And I mean, there's no absolutes like we're like I like to preach on, but I'm not going to rub it in everybody's face when I told you so. If he falls down the draft list, but I mean, um, yeah, don't don't sleep on him. He's going to be a stud. All right, uh, Justin. Final question here, and our wild fans will like this one because this is kind of the hot topic here. Uh, and conversation started leading up to the draft is, uh, are, are there any players worth the Wilds' uh, troubles in trying to trade up for, maybe trade down for, or uh, just simply take at nine? And um, maybe there's a name that we're not hearing about. Maybe it's someone off the board in your mind. Uh, what say you on this, sir? Well, I, given the last six months, I've been kind of able to do a little bit of uh, crossover scouting. Uh, kind of see some of the top guys, kind of see some guys that maybe we were locking some views on just so we can build a better comprehensive list. So I was able to see a lot of the top guys. Now there is different tiers in this draft and wild fans better be happy to know that they're in that top tier. Um, I mean, you're not going to get, unless something happens and Bill Guerin has made it known, he's not afraid to trade anybody and anything to make his team better or, or build to his scope. Um, I'm sure that there's some, uh, questions on the stall trade, but, uh, Honestly, if I were a GM and I'm sitting at nine, I'm waiting for the cards to fall. I mean, there's a lot of GMs who have shown down 
further up that are bold, that are willing to believe in their guy. Uh, there's Pierre Dorian, who's sometimes made some really weird decisions at the draft table. Uh, Stevie Y has shown he's not afraid to go with a guy that he believes in. So I don't, I don't think there's a scenario where it would be worth the capital to move up in that point, unless there was somebody that they absolutely had to have someone that they had ranked in like the top three that, uh, um, that's all the few, yeah. That will leave a select few players on the board, but honestly, if I would let the cards fall, I I would just say, you know what, let's ride this out. We're gonna get a hell of a player, something we can build around, and he's instantly gonna go to the top of your prospect pool. Um, the guy I think that would almost be make too much sense, who may may not uh, be the favorite in a lot of eyes, just because everybody's thinking pure offense in the top ten or a pure number one rover type defenseman that we've seen come out. But I think Antoine Lundell makes the most sense for the Wild in that spot. And I mean, we're talking an elite two-way guy who's already a leader on his uh, Finnish, Finnish pro team. Um, talk about skating all you want. I think that there's more offense there than we're thinking of. And I mean, what better replacement for Miko Koivu than a, than a fellow countryman who plays almost pretty much exactly the same style? I mean... In a world where there's no sure thing, I mean, I think Lundell's about as close as there is to a sure thing. And uh, having a guy like that in the fold, especially if there's no surprises like a, a Lucas Raymond or a Marco Rossi there, or um, one of the other big names that has come up, I think Lundell makes the most sense in that nine hole for the Wild. One of our regular listeners, and he was actually jo- he joined the show last week. Uh, Derek uh, Felska, he's a he's a blogger, a local blogger in uh, the state of hockey. He uh, that's his pick, and he he loves him too. So I know he's uh, he's got a big smile on his face when he's uh, listening back to this. Um, no, that that's awesome, man. Again, you've given us more than enough of your time, Justin. It's always great catching up with you every year. Um, we'll, we'll end it for now. And, uh, obviously you and I will, we'll, we stay in touch, you know, post catching up, uh, especially prior to draft day and after draft day. If there's, uh, if there's anything else that you want to share, you know, the keys to the castle are always yours here. Uh, what do you got in particular that you're working on that you'd like us to pump here on the soda pod and where can, uh, where can the folks find you? Uh, my Twitter handle is, uh, phrase F C F R O E S C. I know weird spelling. On Twitter, um, I'm not overly active on there. I'm not one of the blowhards. Um, <laughs> should I say that out loud? But uh, <laughs> I like to kind of keep it under lock and key for the most part. But, I mean, I think it's been kind of a, a really unique experience this year. I mean, I'm not working on anything too, too crazy. I think what I've just been doing is working on creating a better evaluator and investing time in myself, whether it be reading books, whether it be just taking time to go through the coach's site and all the different seminars, or... Sh- being confident enough that I can talk the game to reach out to guys who work in the game and show my work off, um, pick their brain, get any sort of information I can. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Greg Rivak, um, Matt Dumichel, um even a guy like Jack Hahn, who's one of the smartest guys out there who's been putting a lot of content out. Adam Perner, who was recently with the Portland Winterhawks. Guys who have just let me... Uh, um, reach out, pick their brain, and just have been so hospitable with their time. And uh, uh, even though you, you feel annoying, like you're bugging these people, but I mean, 
what are, what are we going to do when the world is stopped? Um, exactly. Another, another name I want to put out there who's been a huge influence on me is Cody Nicolette. He's uh, an amateur scout with uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and during the season, he's a guy that we talk about four times a week. So you're getting a little bit fed there with some information. I mean, he can only tell me so much, but it goes both ways. And it's really kind of helped open my eyes and be like, okay, this is the, what the team concept is all about. This is how I can make myself better. This is how I can make my team better. So I try to draw as much, much knowledge as I can from people and try to adapt it to my own philosophies and just create a better me. And hopefully down the line, we either see that in the, continue in the public sphere or when I do eventually jump to a team. Amazing, man. Well, again, it's been such a pleasure catching up with you. I know all of our listeners will absolutely love this segment. And uh, like I said, man, anytime you want to you wanna talk uh, prospects, uh, I'm more than happy to do so. Um, I'm excited to touch base after the draft, as that's always fun. And uh, again, this has been outstanding, Justin. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, go buy FC's uh, draft guide. you got a week left. It's $24.99. And... Uh, if anybody uh, wants to give me a follow, the 10th follower who mentions this show, I will, out of my own hard-earned money, buy you the draft guide. If that's not incentive, folks, I don't know what the fuck is. So, there you go. Thank you so much. Can uh, you say that? Oh, I can say This is my show, my show, my show, my friend. All right, episode 88 of the Soda Pod. Thanks again, Justin. Take care, man. Good night, sir. Thank you very much for uh, for commenting, uh, peepers. Uh, don't don't forget to give us a, a follow at the Soda Pod. Um, Hoppy, we're just teasing the segment because we couldn't bring Sammy on the show today. We're either gonna bring him, like I said earlier in the episode, on uh, the bonus episode dropping on Friday or on Sunday's uh, podcast. But what was your reaction to uh, Calcio Storico? Oh man, Calcio Storico was. A great use of 36 minutes. Um, man, it's just crazy hearing them interview these guys who are just insane. There's a guy that's in his 40s <laughs> that's like, like, yeah, He's man. 40. I, like I couldn't believe he was 40, by the way. Like, yeah, holy busted, shit, dude. I busted both my knees and my shoulder. I'm not fully recovered yet, but man, we just do this once a year. There's no way I'm missing it. And they like show an interview of him talking to his mom. And she's like, why are you doing this? He's like, well, mom, I'm going to do it. You know that. She's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, are you going to watch? She's like, I never fucking watch. <laughs> I love the one guy who works in like sales or whatever it was, like insurance sales or something. And he's got like dyed blonde mohawk, just like, yep. I don't know, man. Half these people are roided up probably to the max, just ready to go. And he's just like looking dead straight in the camera. He's like, for Florence, baby. <laughs> man, it's just insane. Like, again, if you decided not to watch, how all of these guys, you have to be born in Florence to play. Yep. You are born into the team you play for. So, like, because so, every region is NHL subdivided. Yeah. With like only Minnesota born guys being able to play for the Wild. There's just four regions of Florence that have their team. You play for your color. And two games a year. Yeah. Two if games you're lucky. A year, which, 
only separated by nine days. If you watch what the game looks like, some of these guys don't make it to the second game if their team wins. That's one of my favorite parts of the documentary, Hoppy, is that showing between at the clubhouse between those days, how they recover. And like a couple of them, like torn MCL, ACL, broken ribs, just just getting shot up and massaged and a couple beers in them and they're ready to go. But let's be honest, a lot of these guys are athletes like they've come from soccer mma football backgrounds oh they're freaks and like these guys could play in any other sport they want like that's the coolest part of it though is that like they aren't paid shit there's no trophy they're pride. Uh, it's all pride and like they don't care they just care so much about like these guys that they work with that they see day to day being able to save for the next year yeah we won one yeah, and um, it's unbelievable because, like, yeah, there's no draft. It's just, like, who produces more children in Florence and who, who out of those children has what it takes because you got to be – you got to have a couple screws loose like a goaltender to, to, play, this, to play this game, and it's, it's, it's truly outstanding. Like, honestly, like, yeah, there's going to be some pushback with some people going, like, this is, this is fucking crazy. I mean, uh, Producer Pigeon, I mean, your reaction, I remember at the end, you just looked at me and you're like, what the fuck was that? Absolutely insane. <laughs> insane but so captivating and why we're bringing sam on uh, right before we end the show here folks is because he lived in italy he went and saw a few of these games like a few years where you know some other teams brought in some new talent trained up some new kids young men some old men shit man some are like 50 60 still going out there bare knuckle boxing it's insanity but the fact that they all train together and are all friends is what I love about it because it's Florence pride, not white, blue, red, and green green, green pride. You know, that's when you're when you're on the field, it's a battle. But off of it, they all are they all share the same well, I guess uh, honor to be able to play this sport because it's illegal in Italy. You it's but it's not illegal. It's it's only legalized in Florence, which is because it's the one of the longest lasting sports traditions in human history if i'm not mistaken it's unbelievable and some of these guys too like maybe i'm misremembering exactly how it went down but one of the guys is saying towards the end how like his kid's about to be born and he rushes back to florence so that the kid is born in a yeah. florence hospital so that if he so chooses one day he can play like there's no choice in the matter <laughs> he's playing he's fucking playing <laughs> <laughs> you see that little board? That kid was already fighting his dad. That kid's playing. Anyways, check out the show um, before Sunday, hopefully, because we uh, well, just check it on the as soon as you can, folks. I'll, I'll retweet the link again. It's outstanding from an entertainment point of view, and we're gonna dive into it a little bit more with uh, with my friend Sam uh, in the next couple episodes or so. But uh, closing out the show here, and it has been a long one. I want to say thanks again to Justin Fraze of Future Considerations. That was an unbelievable deep dive into uh, well the West Side of uh, of north america in regards to some draft talk and he also dug into some wild uh news as well also your boy Braden point hoppy you'll love that part uh thanks to those tuning in on soundcloud spotify and apple podcast folks the best thing you can do for us this week besides donating on patreon is to give us five stars on itunes and apple Podcasts. and please go listen through our website thehockeypodcastnetwork.com as it just helps our business as well. And on your app, download the episode before you listen. Uh, Patreon.com slash the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we have our after-hour show there. We have some blogs coming in, and uh, we have some exclusive merch, which uh, depending on where you donate and your tier, you'll be rewarded at each stage. Uh, Hoppy, we have uh, Judge Joey coming on our... Uh, we couldn't do it today, unfortunately, because he's in transit, but we're uh, going to feature him on the bonus episode on Friday. And then we have a draft special coming up that you've been organizing. So uh, before we close things out here how will you just tease that for our listeners 
Yeah, and this is still very much in the works, but got messages out to a handful of guys here in the Minnesota market. Might even reach out to a couple others that just have big involvement, I guess we'll say, in the first round as far as what their team is going to do. But just going to be on the live stream here like we are right now, and we're going to be talking through the draft. Um, We're going to, again, keep it pretty Minnesota heavy, talking speculatively about what we might do. And then, of course, once the time comes that we actually make a pick or move up or move back in the draft, have ongoing analysis and uh, just have some good local Minnesota guys here on to, you know, talk hockey, beer and anything else. So tune in, folks, if you if you like what we do. And uh, while you're tuning into the draft, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's always fun connecting with uh, those uh, within the wild market, wild media, and wild Twitter. As uh, I've said it many times, both on this podcast and, and others, uh, the Minnesota Wild, they have the best hockey fans in the entire national Hockey League. You can find myself at VI Sports Talk, uh, Hoppy here at State of Hoppy. Uh, Producer Pigeon, where can they find you? You can find myself at... I was going to say producer pigeon, but we don't have the handle. We're trying to get the handle. handle. Some fuck out there has producer pigeon. He's following one person is Donald Trump. So fuck you, man. Yeah. yeah. So you can actually follow. I like it. (laughs) You can actually follow myself at DYL underscore THPN. Follow the network at HockeyPodNet on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, We're revamping our logo, as you can see in the, where is it? They're over there. Fuck, I can't do it on the stream. Top right corner of the screen, we got our new logo there, revamping our social media. Uh, we're really excited for that. Um, signing off, I'm Isha Dromi, alongside the state of Hoppy and producer Pigeon. You good, boys? We're good. This has been the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild.